0: Hello and welcome back to Unleash Your Peace. My name is Ali Shoja. I am your host. I'm a positive mindset coach, a personal transformation expert, a deliberate creator, and your peace trainer. And Unleash Your Peace, this podcast over here, is your peace training. It's where we dive into different aspects about the internal world every single week because that's exactly where your joy resides, your peace, your creativity, everything that you love about life is within you. And we want to unlock that. We want to unleash it because when you live from this place of joy and peace and connectedness to that infinite beingness of you, that non-physical potential of you, you don't just incrementally improve the quality of your life, you actually exponentially innovate every aspect of your experiences on this physical plane, you become whole, you become the powerful creator, you have come here to be, and you become an uplifter in your family, in your community, and that trickles out into the world at large. This is our wish for you, this is our wish for everyone on this planet because that's essentially how we level up as a human race. We enter the next stage of our evolution when we live in this way. All right, so this week we have another really incredibly talented person with us. My name again is Ellie Shoja, your co-host. Nilo And
1: Ellie, I mean, we have such amazing, talented friends.
0: We do. (laughs) We do. And so far, if you've been listening to this podcast and you're hearing all of the incredible guests, yes, they are all our friends. They are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. And they're really amazing. So we haven't even tapped into the pool of non friends yet. We haven't exhausted our friends list. And this individual, this person, came to us a few years ago at Digital Hollywood. She's incredibly talented. She's very, very funny. Her one-woman show blew our minds. Her name is Kate Huffman, and we are so excited to have her on.
2: Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, Kate. Welcome, Kate.
0: Thank you. Welcome. We were just talking about how amazing Digital Hollywood has been for us.
2: Oh, it's bizarre to think about. I approached... So many people at that event, and a couple people have stayed in touch, but for the most part, this friendship right here is just, I couldn't be more grateful for it. Oh, it's magical. And the feeling is completely mutual. A few years ago, I was a panelist
0: at a Digital Hollywood event, and from one panel discussion, (laughs) literally one panel discussion that I did, I think five that's right. friendships blossomed and you were one of them and we're yes. now, three years later, really close and so supporting incredible. each mm-hmm. other. It's really
2: amazing. Yeah, because I, at that time, you mentioned my one-person show and I was approaching it. I'm still working on developing it into a TV series, much closer now than I was at the time, but I was approaching people at that event to pitch it with like pitch packages mm-hmm. and it, I think, just speaks to your energy that I was very nervous. I didn't have... The guts to approach that many people, but I was like, I'm going to go talk to that woman. She had incredible things to say, and I feel safe doing it, and I know she's going to listen in and be receptive. And that's as far as I'll get, possibly. But no, she responded, and and uh, next thing I know, I'm at a meditation party, and yeah. I'm just like, hey, this is pretty. I love the meditation. <laughs> this is party. not not where I expected to land out of this, but I, <laughs> I love it. Dinner party. Yeah, I'm so. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can tell that story. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad you did. So fast forward, you're at the meditation party, which God. is a dinner party. <laughs> which and I did that, not know. Yes, and that is relevant because of the subject matter of your one-woman show. And by the way, before we dive into what this one-woman show is, I have to say a close friend of ours is the director David Zucker. You know him from Airplane, Naked Guns. He did the last three scary Mm -hmm. movies. And he's done so much incredible stuff. And he came to your one-woman show, and he was blown away. Like, uh, he still to this day tells me, oh, my gosh, that Kate Huffman, she's an incredible actress. So, And this is a person who's seen a lot of actors. And
1: he's also very skeptical. He's a little Uh, bit of a snob when it comes to comedians and and, and
2: humor. No, I know. he loved your show. Well, that's also an incredible... Blessing to have that friendship develop. I mm-hmm. would consider him a friend now, yeah, and yeah, that's, uh, absolutely, and, and definitely a comedy legend. And totally. yeah.
0: and he's coming to your show tonight. I
2: know, I, I know. Friends with guns. <laughs> so I, I well, twisted his arm a little, but he's coming. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's a a excited. Hesitant, you know, that's
0: okay. We saw him
2: earlier today, and he's excited to actually see it. i'm yeah. glad. I hope he opens his mind to it. That show can be perceived as. A political show i don't think it is as much as he feared that it was but that some people hesitate going to see it because they think yeah it's i think a his fear show. was it was too far left
0: politically um yes and, and
2: i think he'll be surprised by yeah, I it i think That's so
0: right. too and we have all reassured him that he's going <laughs> to love it
2: and i think he is tomorrow um, we'll touch well, base with you. him. Thank you um and, since we're talking about it i'll just say that show's called friends with guns you guys can see there's yes, two more Words two more shows coming up at the Road Theater on Magnolia May tenth and eleventh are the last two dates. So we went to the first
0: ever preview <laughs> I know, of it. I can't even. And believe it. You guys are the best. It, it was, was great. it was really
2: incredible. Thank you. Just, it's, it's grown a lot since then. We were just nominated for some stuff and been an L. A. Times Critics Choice. It's just been so cool to hear audiences responding to this really thought provoking play. So it's been an honor to be in it. It's been a blast.
0: But so, this dinner party story. Yes. Okay. So, let's let's go back. Why is uh, the dinner party so important and relevant okay, to well, this conversation about you?
2: Well, so, my solo show is called I'm Too Fat for This Show, which is on 20 years of OCD and eating disorders and body dysmorphia, something that was a part of my life or, well, all of it, basically. Well, um, <laughs> at, the, at the time that I started writing it, 20 years, mm-hmm. but that was like 2014, so now... I don't know. It's been a minute. Yeah. 25 years, I guess. (laughs) Quarter quarter of a century I've been hanging out with this thing. So the telling of that story changed my life in every way imaginable, but it is a functional thing that I live with and just the process of doing the show has actually skyrocketed my recovery even more, but... I have to be prepared. I can go to dinner parties, but I need to be prepared. And I was not prepared. So, how? Um, okay. Just just emotionally, I have to like set myself up to deal with the anxiety that i uh, that it might cause. So. Ellie I, I had pitched her my show she got back to me some months later saying she had kind of left the business and was launching this other thing but she said hey, how can I be of help I was like can I take you to coffee and maybe just pick your brain about the industry maybe you have some advice for me and she was like hey come to our meditation party and I was like sounds <laughs> that's safe. great that, that's our line that's our yes. like, come to yeah. a meditation party <laughs> I show up with like a yoga mat and like yoga clothes I'm thinking we're gonna lay down and meditate for like 90 minutes if it's a whole party and i walk in and it's a smorgasbord of food i'm a yes. I, i'm like faced with a whole like oh man it's, yeah we it's, start cooking at 4 p.m there's and i was like looking around and i'm like what is <laughs> happening oh dear oh dear oh no i have to get out of here i can't be here i have to leave um but you stayed i i did stay but i was uh Not like comfortable. No, I I was dropping some things to various people. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm uh this isn't what I thought it was going to be." So I thought, you know, I thought we'd be done by like 8. I might have to go. <laughs> but I managed to stay. And anyway, and and it's and yeah. you stayed for the meditation. Yeah, which is the part that I wanted to stay for because yes. I do meditate. I have been a meditator. That's why, I, you know, I yeah. was like, "Ooh, a whole party about it? Let's go." <laughs>
1: and then I think I don't know if it was that first time or another subsequent party that you came to, you announced your show at our little group. Correct. And then um, we organized To All Go. It was your last LA showing. And then once I got there and I halfway through the show, I was like, oh, now... (laughs) I kind of understand. That's like, it didn't really click funny. For me. Well, I and hadn't we told you guys. It. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, had not, I, no you guys, I had
2: no idea. You guys came, which blew my mind. It was so kind of you to come. And, and we all went out afterwards and we were talking about it. And I was like, <laughs> so oh, P.S. Now that you have, um, you know, I've unpacked my baggage on stage for you, I had a panic attack the first time I came to your party. But anyway. Do you still feel like that now when you come? Oh, no, no, no. Because you're, you're no. prepared. Um. Yeah, well, one, I'm prepared, and two, yeah, I, I, I'm... Worked past it? Well, yes and no, I'd say. It's yeah. always a journey and progress. Yeah. The show itself, it was a very scary thing to put out there. I, uh... Knew that it was going to change my life forever because it was always something that I never talk about because of, you know, shame and judgment and misunderstandings and preconceived notions. It was was sort of like being in the closet. And I knew Mm -hmm. that it would... I mean, my closest friends didn't know what was going on. And I was able to tell the story through humor. It's a very funny show. Thank you. My... I also... My personal bugaboo so to speak with media on eating disorders is that it's often presented in this very melodramatic heavy way which only kind of pushes people away from understanding instead of yeah. bringing people in to also show people hey it's not necessarily that different from whatever your neuroses are right, your yes, issues correct. your own self it was very Negative relatable, self-talk.
1: even if you've never lived with an uh, eating disorder. Right. But you've had any kind of internal dialogue with yourself yeah. that's, you know, disempowering. It's, it's very relatable. And it's funny, but it's also very emotionally intelligent. Like the dialogue that you're having, how many characters are you playing in this? There's 18. 18, 18 characters. And um, sometimes you're playing multiple, you know, in the same mm-hmm. scene. And
2: the dialogue is just very high quality. But that was the shock of the relatability to anybody like men dragged to the show would be like whoa i had (laughs) no idea i was going to relate to everything you were saying um whether their dialogue isn't necessarily about obsessively counting calories if it's more like i'm not successful enough why aren't you more successful or whatever their story is not good enough yeah yeah it was really that's the whole thing is the the victory of the show wasn't even defeating this this thing it was more removing the shame to talk about it and i had no idea whether it would be of service to anybody but it's been cool yeah. <laughs> it seems to have been you literally take that voice that self
0: the facing self-critical safe, self-hating mm-hmm. voice and you take it outside of you and in the show you present it in such a profound way as another voice that's externally yeah. that you're having a literal dialogue with yes. and i think that happens so much in our
2: lives, in so many different yeah, ways, yeah, and that's I think. Cause, so that character's name is Edie, um, for eating disorders, and she's a whole character, yeah, and <laughs> and so we're tracking um, the friendship. Because yes. that's another thing about eating disorder things is that we don't see the perceived positives. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways, whether it's that voice or something else, the reason these things stick around for so long is they are so validating and they are there for you and no one else is. They are so loyal. familiar, It's comfortable. Um, Yes. Familiar, comfortable. It can feel like a big hug when you've done oh. everything else wrong. You've done that. Yeah. It's very, and it's deceptive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not a. Good friendship, but at least portraying it that way, I think it makes Mm -hmm. it a little bit more understandable to people because there's a whole lot of like, okay, stop, please just like cut it out. And I loved
1: how you depicted that character. You had her on like a screen Mm -hmm. and she was kind of like hovering over you a little bit. Like it's like this looming personality Mm -hmm. that just like it's always there,
0: you know? Correct. And I think that voice speaks to us, and it speaks very, very loudly, and it can uh, drown out the voice of clarity that's already inside of us, you know, that we really need to listen for, you know, the self critical voice is so much louder, it's so much more imposing. And because it is so critical, there's this feeling of dependency
2: that we have to it yeah it feels like truth when it isn't have you shifted that relationship with that voice yeah i think over the years forever she's had less power but she can come back with the vengeance and day i can Mm -hmm. wake up and just be like i'm in i'm in a trap this body is a trap i'm Mm -hmm. i'll feel just completely smothered in it like nothing else matters until i can get out of this trap of a body if that makes any sense mm-hmm. just somehow through the act of sharing the story i have been able to come to a place where i can like i like me and that's mm-hmm. that's silly but that is a huge yeah. jump in progress yeah. like that was a hard thing to say for the vast majority of my life but i do i'm all right <laughs> yeah you are i would hang out with all right. me we would hang out with you um hey all (laughs) right but also a very interesting thing that occurred was i had two injuries last year Uh, both feet at various points i was in a boot so large part Mm -hmm. of this is exercise addiction exercising to the point where my body's now
1: and also not getting the nutrients you need. right
2: and i've i'm still dealing with the repercussions of having done that for 20 years i have a lot of chronic pain Mm -hmm. that I'm attempting to use Joe Dispenza's techniques to overcome. But uh, movement can be very painful. So I had toured. I toured with the show. I went to 12 cities. I went abroad with it. I I was doing great. It won some awards. It was just awesome. Getting emails and messages and phone calls from people. It was great. It was incredible. And then I snapped a foot. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of, and I wasn't able to work out. And it was sort of like the universe was like, hey, you're flying all over the world, but you're not embodying your message because you're still yeah. killing yourself to these like false ideals of body image. Mm-hmm. Do something about it. And I resisted that. And then I just swam. I was just swimming all the time. And then I heard the other. I don't know. It went <laughs> on and on. But the point is, like, I had I was forced to sit and stop. Yeah. Um, and put on weight that, and deal with that. And isn't that funny how the universe does that? Oh, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I knew as it was happening, I knew it was a gift. As hard yes. as it was. Mm. I was like, I know this is going to make yeah. me stronger in the long run. And I don't know that I'm there yet. But it was a huge relief because I did have to learn to live. And I have lived for twenty years, I could not go one single day without exercising wow I, I not one day of the year And I know from an exercise science point of view that's bad it is. that's not even good that's not even good <laughs> no. if you, you gotta let your if you're rest. a gym you know you'll see better results if you don't yeah. do that type of yes. thing but but my and we haven't talked about this, but the connection of the eating disorder is to o c d um, oh yeah. I, I don't think that that's talked about much, but body dysmorphia is indeed a form of OCD. It's invasive thoughts. It's anxiety if you don't accomplish these certain things. Anxiety that stops mm-hmm. you from living your life. It interferes with any activity you want to do. So for me, it was like if I do not get in that workout, ah, you know, I, I just couldn't function in any other way. But now I can. I can. Like I yeah. can. So that's kind of a huge leap as well.
0: Yeah, it's like you had to wean yourself off this drug mm-hmm. that was the need to exercise. Right, and
2: it's not gone, Yeah, mm-hmm. but I can go a day without if my body asks for it. And mm-hmm. you look great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you look amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I ever shared with you, maybe I, I know you know, um, in college I started taking diet pills for many reasons, but mostly for image. And, you know, it was like, take it for six weeks and then don't take it for six weeks. You have to cycle it all enough sure. so that you don't get addicted. Right. It was Xenodrin. And I mm-hmm. just took it for like two years straight. Mm-hmm. And, wow. I, and I would ramp up. I would take one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Then I was like two in the morning, two in the afternoon. Yeah. And then I was like 20 years old. I'm laying in bed. It's 3 a.m. I have an exam at like 8 a.m. And my heart is just pounding. Basically, you're taking speed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to stop taking this shit. This is not good. Yeah. And I stopped cold turkey. And I was fine for a week, like nothing happened. And then one afternoon on a Saturday, I got so sick. My body went through withdrawals. And I literally vomited 17 times in one day. In like, not one day, in like four hours. And then I was, you know, my wow. my college roommate took me to the UCI Health Center, and I was not honest with the doctors. I didn't tell them about the diet pills because I was well, like, I
2: know all about not being honest <laughs> with doctors. You know, what <laughs> I mean, like
1: I didn't want to be judged and like yeah. get yelled at. So they're like, Oh, I think you have the flu. I'm like, Yeah, okay, that's it. Yeah, give me some. Um, but that was like a big turning point. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. Well,
2: good for you because for a lot of people that, I mean, for many people would not stop it. Um, well, I
1: think it continued, but not in that form. Like I knew sure. diet pills were no longer the okay. answer. But, but like, the body image, body image thing, we're so, continued.
2: from the time we're tiny as as women, our value is connected to the shape of our bodies and there's one body type we're shown over and over again mm-hmm. and no matter, like, you might still get told by other influences in your life that, the, like, you, uh, being smart gives you value, being kind gives you value. But every single place you look in our society, when your brain is in a very, it's being formed during the pre teenage years through your early 20s, it's pruning and synapses are connecting and getting rid. And the thing that we see over and over again is that body type. To value mm. connected. Mm-hmm. It's almost like yeah. it becomes morality. Like for me, it's almost like I'm not a good person unless I can yeah. achieve this. Mm. It's so deep and so subconscious, but that mm-hmm. it's like. Every woman yeah. has to battle with that. And those are the things that are so hard to ch- change around. Like what I was saying, you guys just told me I look great. I don't feel good in my body right now. And it's a struggle. Yeah, But it's not as bad as it used to be because there were times where, she, that's why I was saying earlier, is a prison. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, you're just kind of stuck in this girdle. And all you hear in the back of your head is like, fat, 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 fat. fat. You're so fat. You're fat. And it's almost, you almost feel immobilized. Like there are times I'm driving and I like don't feel like I can move my body because all I feel is the fat all around me. And right now I'm heavier than I've been in my adult life. Some days I'm still fine. And other days I like I hate it so much, even though like that's not something we ever apply to anyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want anyone else to ever be a slave to body standards that I know to be false, that I know Mm -hmm. don't actually give a person value. I think all different shapes are beautiful. We have all different shapes of trees. Why shouldn't we have all different (laughs) shapes of humans? But those synapses are so deep in our formative years that it's hard for me to accept that on Myself, and yeah, it's a cha- yeah. that's a big thing to get over, and I'm getting closer.
1: And yeah. you mentioned, you know, women struggling with this. The first time I've actually heard that word, body dysmorphia, was from a guy I was. I don't even say dating. I was talking to him, <laughs> and uh, and he was, we don't like labels. He <laughs> was in Chicago, so we were talking, and he was tall, good looking, very muscular, mm-hmm. business owner, Handsome. race car driver, like professional race car driver, and he thought he was like skinny and scrawny and he
2: yeah he was muscular
1: Mm -hmm. like built yeah and he said at some point he started when he was younger he was a bodybuilder but he had this crazy body dysmorphia i'm like what is that and he explained it Mm -hmm. to me for men it's like kind of a little bit different right they have to be big and strong and broad shoulders and Mm -hmm. But I know for women, I think it's more prominent. I think so, too. And I don't mm-hmm. mean to discredit any yeah. man who experiences it. Yeah. Because it can be very real. I do think most women have experienced, yeah. like,
2: Ellie used to think she was fat. I did. <laughs> I'm amazed by any woman who hasn't, at some point, yeah. had that feeling.
0: And I remember the specific moment. It was just a few years yeah. ago, maybe like four or five years yeah. ago. So I'm in my 30s. After my divorce, I was packing up and I was looking through some... Uh, some boxes and there were pictures from high school and I have very specific memories of feeling fat Mm -hmm. in high school Mm -hmm. to the point that I stopped eating sugar in high school. I haven't had soda since high school but the reason I stopped drinking soda was because I found out how fattening soda is right so and I started working out and doing all of this stuff and I'm looking at these pictures and I am not fat and I was (laughs) shocked. It took my brain a moment to kind of compute because I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is, this can't be me
2: because that's not what I looked like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's really hard to understand that too because I mean, I had three very deep bouts of anorexia. One was right after moving here when I was like 20, 21. I was very, I was 100 pounds. And wow. I, I remember. You're what, five, six? Yeah. And I remember I had gotten cast in something and they were going to put me in a bathing suit. And I remember freaking out. I was mm-hmm. like, I just can't. No, I'm too huge. I, I was taking water pills and laxatives. I was like, mm-hmm. I got to flatten out my belly if they want me in a bikini. This is insane. Yeah. Guys, I was, a, I was sick. I was disgustingly yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. Not disgusting. I don't mean to body shame skinning people either. But um, yeah, I was ill. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I looked at that again, and at any point in my previous le- of life as an adult, like I said, I'm the heaviest now. But at any of those points, not once, not once, have I ever not felt fat, and I'm not in any of those places. I'm not. Yeah, and I'm so I try, really and then not. so you try to do that now to yeah. go like, hey. Probably you're not fat now either. Yes. Yeah. But you're also like, but I still am so much bigger than I used to be. So, yeah. But it is, it's it's totally. hard no, I, to do that. Yeah, I have,
0: a, I have a client who, from the time she was eight years old, her parents put her on a diet. Mm-hmm. She had to eat differently than the rest of the family. She had to exercise. So she grew up feeling not good in her body and not having a good relationship with food. So a few weeks ago, I gave her homework. And the homework was literally to every time she comes out of the shower and she's naked in front of the mirror to tell every part of her body, I love you.
2: That's so good.
0: So I love you. I love you. And just when she feels that, put put her clothes on. And then the second piece of homework was whenever in public, when you're out and about and you're feeling self-conscious about your body, ask yourself a simple question. How would I do this? if I loved the body I'm in? So how would I show up at this party if I loved the way I look? How would I stand in line at the grocery store if I loved the way I look? How would I check out at the grocery store if I loved the way I look? How would I walk down the street if I loved the way I look? Mm-hmm. You know, so just ask yourself that question. Yeah. So then she came back the following week and
2: did it work? It she, did, she couldn't That's believe so it. She
0: said she went to this party. Ugh. There were like 25 people she didn't know And she had such a good time. She connected with people. She didn't have anxiety around food. Whenever she started feeling down, she just asked herself that question. Well, how would I respond if I loved the bite and she said immediately she would sit up taller, she would speak more clearly. And here's the amazing thing. Fast forward I just talked to her a couple of days ago. And fast forward now, it's been three weeks she's doing this. And she said, Ellie, it's to the point that every time I see a mirror, I say I love you.
2: Oh, that's so amazing. She, that's and incredibly fast progress.
0: Yeah, incre- Because she's doing it. She's doing yeah. the actual work. And then she said something that moved me so much. And it just chills up and down my entire body. She said she was telling herself I love you. And then the sentence came out of her. She said, "I loved the person you were. I love the person you are, and I love the person you're becoming."
2: Wow, that's really good. And that comes right from your soul. Yeah, yeah. I almost cried. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is something that I have since doing the show. I, I went. Mm-hmm. I've learned about um, like the body positive movement and fat activism and and things like that. In terms of just neutralizing that term anyway, is just to be mm-hmm. a descriptor instead of a. Um, a negative term like tall short fat thin Mm -hmm. one shouldn't be better than the other that is something that i've worked on since then of whenever like i'm specifically self-conscious about my stomach so then trying to identify something on my body that i can Mm -hmm. be grateful for and it also goes into play with the pain Mm because i i uh, have pain and also um you know i injured my feet and spending time making sure to be so grateful. And whether you're, whether it's that you're being crippled by feeling mm. fat or whether you're being crippled with pain, expressing gratitude to the parts of your body that are working is mm-hmm. something that's been huge for yeah. me. So just like digestive tract. Thank you so much. You're killing it right now. I don't have a stomach ache. You are processing food and you're yeah. great at elimination. You're going to nail that. <laughs> I know it. Nailed it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's as simple as like, remember last year when you couldn't walk? So you're walking, maybe your neck and spine are radiating a weird electric pain through your body, but you're walking down the street. So I'm so great. Thank you so much, ankles. Thank you for, Mm. you know, and you're a miracle because you were torn and now you're back together and you're moving down Mm -hmm. the street. And Mm -hmm. that's something uh, that's really worked for me too. Oh, so true. Same client, she said something really profound to me
0: too. She said that very first week she was doing the homework. She didn't have time to exercise And she didn't eat the way she had planned on eating. She Mm -hmm. was on a very strict diet Mm -hmm. and very strict exercise regimen. And she said she had resigned herself to not meeting her uh, weight goal. And she got on the scale at the end of that week and she had lost weight. And she couldn't believe it. That's cool. She was so funny. She's like... Ellie, I thought I tell my stomach I love you, it's gonna stick around, but actually it's dissolving. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh! Okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, so it's funny.
0: so it's like giving gratitude yes. to parts of you that oh, you appreciate, that but too. also giving gratitude to all of you. Yes, and you know, not making it conditional.
2: I've been saying that to my stomach actually. I've like <laughs> yeah. I've just like th- you know what you are holding on to energy for me that yeah. you you know you are storing energy that we might need, and that's really cool of you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't you know I'm listening to uh, actually
1: just finished it yesterday a return to love and Marianne Williamson is the author and she mentions that she struggled with weight for a long time like ever since I've known her and she's been in the public eye she's pretty slender but in her 20s she always had like the 10 to 15 pounds of weight she just couldn't get rid of and she met a woman who lost a lot of weight significant amount of weight she didn't say the number but the it sounded like at least 50 60 pounds and every time that woman had tried dieting she would actually gain weight Mm-hmm. But yeah, finally, she basically just, you know, turned it over to God, universe, and said, "I don't even care if I stay fat or skinny. Just take this monkey off my back and oh. this monkey, this burden yeah. of like the Needing way to the look way she way. felt about herself." Yeah. And yeah. and she That's said great. that allowed the woman to kind of release, and she eventually lost a ton of weight. But it was really like she wasn't even like, you know. I have like a number in my head. I want to be this many pounds, right? Yeah. And I've numbers had that are, number for numbers a long are time. Crippling. And I hit that number last April, but I was depressed as fuck. Yeah. And I was not healthy at all. Mm-mm. And I wasn't trying to get skinny. I just couldn't eat because I had no appetite. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you look so great. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel good. I, I In my head, I am not. I know I'm not well. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. But when I looked at myself, I like, oh, I look pretty damn good, you know, but it was this ability to just turn it kind of turn it over and like stop punishing yourself for yeah. whatever it is and That's- releasing it I don't know if we have parents that are listening. I know for you, it started pretty early, like yeah. seven or eight years old, right? Ten. Ten. I have a nephew who is on the bigger side. He grows out and then he grows up, sure. right? He's, so he goes through growth not, spurts.
0: He's not chubby. He just has these really big cheeks. <laughs> know, you know. like Yeah, yeah she like knows. This, she's met him. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's he, is he's a, l- he is a little chubby, but so
1: he's what? He's bigger and, than
0: other kids. But, but he's been no, called me.
1: fat several yeah. times at yeah. school. And he's how old now? He's eight. Yeah, and the other he did a couple things that really concerned me so I eventually had a sit down talk with him and first time a couple of weeks ago he gave me a sticker he has like stickers and he's like here you get a sticker I'm like for what he's like for being the skinniest person in the Ugh. family Gosh. and I'm like okay and it? I just kind of laughed it off then at one of our meditation parties I called him over to talk to him about something I'm like hey come here I want to tell you something and he was eating a slider and he hid it behind his back as he was walking up to yeah. me and that just broke my
2: heart I was like why did he do that so, so I it, talked to him about it and because it's yeah the messages that we get are they're from everywhere. It's not just society. Yeah. It's like still to this day you were ill, but doesn't like it doesn't matter if you lose weight you will be validated everywhere you go. <laughs> I was. Did yeah. you lose weight? You look great. If you lose yeah. weight, you look great. No, you might have you know, be, been want to heartbreak. But. but we just, but yeah. it goes back to that how young we are when our parents validate us for losing weight, our grandparents teach, like everywhere you go. And little girls' number one fear in a number of surveys is getting fat, not lo- um. like over losing your parents. Over your parents' death or over getting cancer, they would rather not be fat. And like all these, like Barbie has tried before multiple times to like issue... Curve her out. Curve your (laughs) girls. But when they market test them, the girls don't want them. They're like, no, I don't want to play with her. She's fat. I don't want to play with the fat one. Yeah, yeah. So that bias is put into our brains so my My grandfather, so
0: when I was in high school, I was on the swim team and our friend Deborah, who's still a very close friend, she was also on the swim team. And she was always about maybe... 10 pounds heavier than me yeah, I was 120 she was 130 and my grandfather used to always tell me why do you need to look like a boy look like a girl like your friend Deborah. <laughs> oh my meat gosh. is so expensive why do you melt it off <laughs> you're basically uh, telling me I need to so gain funny. weight funny yeah yeah
2: it's well, but like, even that's you, need to, you yeah. need to put some weight on you right, you, know? yeah. you need to you know, but m- it, that goes to the opposite side right. I mean there are some cultures that body shame for being too skinny and that's also right. problematic because some of- people legitimately are and of course we all <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> will secretly hate those people <laughs> like <laughs> oh, you're lucky but like no
0: I think a lot of older cultures you know especially middle eastern cultures oh, you know yeah. for them Freaks, yeah. yeah exactly for yeah. Them being more heavyset mm-hmm. and having lighter skin right. are signs of wealth. wealth. Yeah. Because if you're heavyset, you have money to eat. Yeah. And if you have lighter skin, you're not working in, in the, the fields.
2: fields. Yeah, well, I actually have heard that those, a lot of those cultures are they're starting to switch. Because Mm -hmm. the American uh, culture is so pervasive that there are places where the wealth, like the bigger the woman, the better. And then it has switched. And more recently, Mm. they're losing more and more weight and and trying to be skinny. (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) No, (laughs) I I don't know.
2: I can't remember. Not recently enough. Did I see this? But this is really interesting, too, because another reason that I was influenced by my peers, by my family. But for me, really, I was a very precocious young kid who wanted to be an actor. And I was growing up in the 90s when there was one option solely. Unless you wanted to be the big funny woman. Like one sole body option that you saw it, everywhere was an insanely thin person. This was mm-hmm. the years of Friends saved and, by the Bell. Uh, <laughs> Say by the Bell, Ally McBeal. Uh oh like gosh. literally every show. Like name <laughs> yeah. a show in the nineties. The nineties yeah. were rough. Today it's there's more body shape variety. Not enough but more and it like makes me cry every time I see that happen. Because it would have meant so much to me mm-hmm. as a kid. Because for me it was like a professional decision. At ten years old wow. Mm-hmm. I had to fulfill this requirement for my job that I was going to have when I grew up. And uh, yes you do. I mean, you're living you. that dream. Well, well, what I'd like is to have this show turn into a series, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. I'm going to be doing probably Crown funding for the pilot soon. So that's another part, convincing me mm-hmm. of I'll still see women in certain TV shows. I don't really want to call anyone out, but there's like a couple shows where those women and their bodies make me feel awful. So I'm like, do I need really to get tiny again in order to, to lead a series and know that I might be making other little girls or women feel so badly? It's it's just another way to try to convince myself to let this so
0: when, go. So when Bruce Lee decided he's going to be the most famous Oriental star, Marsh,
1: martial arts star, martial
0: martial 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 there were no Asians on yeah. television anywhere. Bruce Lee, Asian kid, from the Bay Area, right? He decides, I want to be in show business, but I want to be the biggest martial arts star. No one like him anywhere on television. There are actors that don't look conventional at all. They don't oh, look yeah, conventional no, at all. Yeah. So, so it's, I guess the point I'm making is that these kind of standards exist because we adhere to them. Ad- adhere to them. We mm-hmm. adapt to them. Yeah. But when you come in, and you say, this is wh- what I'm going to look like. And this is what I'm going to do. Like Bruce Lee did. He's like, I'm, I'm just
2: yeah. going to do it. There's mm-hmm. nobody like me out there. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. There's like Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Amy Schumer's a movie star. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it goes on and on and on. There's more variety. Yeah. It's shrill. I haven't watched yet, but I want to yeah. watch that make me feel wonderful. Like the fact that they, they exist, like literally every time a new show is announced, I like want to cry. And then on the other hand, you still turn on CBS and mm-hmm. it's still those women are working very hard at what they do. I don't want to fault them Mm -hmm. for that because it's how I live as well. You know what I'm saying? But Mm -hmm. it's hard. It is a hard way to live and it slows you down. It's like trying to get through the world, trying to have an acting career with a pair of hands waving in front of your face the whole time. You got to like try to push them out of the way and still get stuff done, but you got to deal with these hands first. You got to deal with the hands, do that part first. And then if you're lucky, you'll get to do the rest of the stuff anyway. So for myself, if I'm going to try to make a show and then sell it, why am I so worried still about getting this weight off? Mm. That's, that's the, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: The other, as you were talking about, you know, there's still some shows and some actresses that you see. Um, oh,
2: ma- most, yeah. many.
1: Yeah. Um, still, most. Still, by far, most. The other yeah. kind of side of the story, I, I recently saw someone shared on Facebook and I shared it because it really touched me. The oldest daughter from my a modern family, you know, she's a very slender yeah. actress. Mm-hmm. And I found out she actually has a really bad kidney issue that she's lived with, with her, her whole life. Oh, wow. And she can't gain weight, mm-hmm. she, she's ill. And yeah. she missed like half a season I um, know that. because she was in the hospital. She had kidney transplant from her dad that oh, failed. Wow. <gasps> and then her brother decided to, it was also a match. And she like had so much guilt from taking a kidney from her younger brother that oh she had to protect her whole life, you know. And so the reason I bring her example up is that there's this whole other side that we don't know right so when we're watching people behind on the screen we think like wow look at they they look so beautiful they have no issues like or on instagram right Mm -hmm. but like there's so much we don't know and i thought her story was so compelling and thank god now she's healthy and well and back on on the show that's amazing i
0: didn't know any of that Yeah. yeah yeah we don't know what people's lessons struggles challenges are that they are that they are dealing with on a daily basis. What's your relationship with
2: food like? And the pause that never ended. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a day that my mother sat me down and taught me how to count calories, and she not did this in a loving way because I was doing every kind of extreme diet that there was. Mm-hmm. I was a miserable, depressed girl. I was literally like slitting at my wrists because I felt very fat. Wow. I had already been dieting for like three years, but this was also the 90s, so it was just fat grams. Because mm. the sugar lobby successfully made everyone in the nineties believe that fat grams were the enemy, because they mm. wanted to sell sugar. So I gave up all fat grams when I first learned this, and I was I still eating thing. tons. I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, well, I can't have a Hershey's bar, but I'll have Skittles. But I was ten, <laughs> wow. and I was growing, and I was a I was a fat kid because I ate. I liked food. Mm. This was not like a oh, she has a metabolic issue. I was like, no, no, no. no. I ate food. I liked it. But so by simply just being like, oh, donuts have fat grams. I won't eat them. I had successfully lost weight. And yes, Mm -hmm. got validation every single place on the planet. My friendship level, like the teeter-totter, like Mm, weight mm. to friendship. You you couldn't write a cheesier Mm. Hollywood movie to reflect how that went down. But then eventually that wore off and, you know, I I hadn't even hit puberty at that point. So you hit puberty and you're putting on weight and I'm hating myself and trying to kill myself. Basically, my mom's like, okay, well, look, you really want to know how to control your weight. You simply do it like this. This is a healthy way to do it. I don't want to see you eating cabbage soup all day. You know. I made cabbage (laughs) soup. Yeah, the cabbage soup diet. We all did that right it's absolutely disgusting um, but so she taught me to count calories what she did not know and what I did not know is that I had this undiagnosed OCD mm-hmm. and it changed my life forever and I will never I don't mm-hmm. know if I will never but I don't know what it is to go a day without knowing exactly how many calories I've eaten at every moment mm. during your show you said you could
1: eat exactly 12 almonds and you would be okay and I think the number was 12
2: maybe it was a different number but, uh, yeah, but- what number was it well this that was during a rant of my the height of my illness and when you're in the height of your illness of anorexia people think anorexia is like don't like food we love food more than anything in the world and they're obsessed with food it's the only thing you're thinking about all day yeah. long and there's like a there's a limited amount of time where you will get it and everything in between is just waiting for that and then when that time when it comes you are gonna make it last for like three hours like and i believe it was eight almonds yeah i could make those eight <laughs> almonds literally they would last me about two yeah. to three hours wow and that is your time That is your time alone in your room i mean i was you're just shut off from the whole world yeah. if anyone knocks on your door it's like no i am here with my almonds <laughs> my eight almonds yeah you get away from me right now. i mean you're wow. just a monster you're just this living in this but you think you have the answers and no one else has the answers
1: and when you said whatever hmm. the
2: count of almonds was it made me think of one of my friends
1: and, and when i met her In our early twenties, she knew. She said, "I know that if I eat this many almonds, I won't get fat. But if I eat one extra almond, Mm -hmm. I will get fat." I'm like, "Wow,
2: that's insane!" You know, Uh, sure. And the whole (laughs) it's also scientifically like you can measure that. But no, 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 it is insane. It is not good. It's awful, and it is hard to defeat.
1: Yeah, and it's it's like. What you were saying about the sugar thing, like, I removed fat from my diet, like you did, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so and I, I ate cabbage soup, and I took those damn diet pills, and I would down frozen yogurt, fat-free frozen yeah. yogurt, like, it was, like water and 11. my college roommates are like that has a lot of sugar in it i'm like but it's fat free free fat free fat free mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. i like, eat bread all day yeah but it was terrible for me you know but we just didn't until know i just... got to grad school and studied public health i was like oh wow that was really bad that was
2: false information <laughs> yeah they succeeded in the 90s and they did with diet mm-hmm. pills as well but oh i took them too yeah <laughs> it was an ephedra party all through high school
0: what was it like telling the story so you've you've ah. kind of alluded to Uh, how transformative it was it has
2: helped in your healing what about telling the story has Mm -hmm. helped being less hidden I um, always kind of existed with this sense of otherness around me and I Mm -hmm. I, I just no one could ever really truly know me because you can't just like put that on somebody and expect them to be like oh that's fine you know Yeah. yeah and it had proven in my life to be that way I've had friends Many friends in my life have, have uh, disappeared, and I think it's very painful, but also kind of understandable that mm-hmm. sometimes they're just like, you know what? I don't want to be around someone calling herself out all the time. And then they're just gone, and it hurts. It hurts. But also relationships inevitably fall apart because it's a very hard thing to live with. Very hard. Very challenging. Yeah. Very good people do their best. It took me two years to write a script that I was happy with because, you know, part of anorexia is perfectionism. I, I had a small reading with my friends was terrified absolutely terrified i had to do a couple tequila shots just to read it out loud to them not gonna lie (laughs) i was petrified and i could immediately see it resonating in a way and the discussion that came afterwards was enough for me to go oh okay okay keep going keep trying Mm -hmm. maybe this is like my goal has always been to try to be of service through creativity uh, like oh mm-hmm. Maybe this is working. We'll see. So I rewrote it and then I rented this theater to do a, a reading of it. Just a reading. Uh, still a work in progress and invite both strangers and friends and fill a house of about mm-hmm. 30 to 40 people and have a talk back afterwards and get feedback. And that like, was this the absolute scariest week of my life because oh, yeah. I knew my life was about to change in a way that I wow. might not like. Mm-hmm. There would be no going back none putting it out there yeah there is no there was no going back from that
0: yeah you can't put it back in the box no and i
2: didn't want to associate associate myself with those words eating disorder Mm. or anorexia Mm -hmm. especially anorexia i still have a hard time saying it Mm -hmm. because those are judged things they imply that you are a shallow person or that you are obsessed with society like whatever they imply whatever someone's preconceived notions are they're really incorrect but i can't fight that if i just mention it to somebody mm-hmm. the the i'm hanging out with somebody let's say i'm just hanging out with somebody before this show ever happened right and i'm in a good time maybe i'm making people laugh whatever no matter what if the next thing i said is i've had eating disorders for 20 years there's a the mildest perception shift behind their eyes mm-hmm. you know what i mean just however mild yeah. it might be and that was the thing that kept me in a box and it's a box of shame is all it is so (laughs) yeah i was very terrified the consequences as a result of having shared it it's better on the other side Mm. it's better on the other side by far because People are grateful that you've told the story. I know that it definitely changed, it has changed many, many people's perceptions about what it is to have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had therapists in several cities call me, because uh, my phone number is out there, and say, I learned more watching your show than I have in 20 years of practice. Um, wow! Yeah. And again, with like men, people being, anyone being like, wow, I thought I understood them, and I did not mm-hmm. at all understand. And, and every single person person with an eating disorder's journey is different but mm. mine the, so so this one's only reflecting mine it's not universal right. but there are a lot of things that are pretty I mean, cabbage universal. soup is universal <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great and also um, your
0: vulnerability allows people in oh yeah yeah i think totally. so mm-hmm. yeah like there's so much strength when we came and saw your show there's so much strength in you just displayed within that show the way you're sharing your story and it's just so incredibly powerful and I absolutely agree with that it's we had people in that audience Mm. that we just came with right all of us struggled with different things in our lives and we all related to that voice
1: I, just in the row we were sitting in like everyone yeah. had battled with mental health in some way yeah right whether it's depression or right. suicide whatever but aside from the, the story and the message I mean your acting is like Unbelievable! Very, I mean, when you good. were that you. professor, that like the professor, <laughs> and you're talking all fast. I just remember the picture I took of you, <laughs> and, and, and then like being able to switch back. Like when you played like the the, the casting agent, and uh-huh. I mean, it was just. so amazing.
0: I was blown away by how easy the writing was. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to... Well, it took two years. (laughs) Well,
2: well, you know, so
0: you have 18 characters played by one person in the span of an hour, Mm -hmm. right? So, but each voice was so distinct. And every time we were introduced to a character, it was done... in like we knew exactly who this character is. Mm-hmm.
2: That's awesome. And we could
0: picture them. Yeah.
2: Really, it, well, really it was amazing. funny too, because when I, I decided to tell this story, I was in the greatest pain of my life. I felt like no, uh, no career is how it felt after a decade of being out here, you know, um, no, like love, life, dead, friendship, still difficult. All these things really depressed. I was out in the desert in 2014, watching a meteor shower, mm-hmm. reading Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. And they, he talks about, Happiness comes from dedicating yourself to a greater cause. Mm-hmm. Listening to Brene Brown is like courage is sharing your story. Mm. And the Artist's Way, which says <laughs> be of service through creativity. All those four wow, things, everything just coming. Those together. four things happen all at once. It was definitely an epiphany of a moment. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I guess I have to tell my story. I guess that's the only way to make meaning out of this life. And I thought I'd write a book, and then I so I started that for a minute, and then I was like, What am I doing? I'm a performer. Yeah, like write a show, Kate, and. All these different elements of my life kind of came together, like all the different pieces of training or experiences I'd had, writing classes I'd had, or um, even like children's theater came into play when mm-hmm. I played my younger self. That oh comes, gosh, yeah. that comes str- like the, the whole style of introducing that comes straight out of what I've learned through uh, Story Pirates, an organization that goes into schools, like every character introduces himself like hey i'm charlie and i'm blah 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 and i just come yeah. out and i was like hey i'm kate i'm the, like just mm-hmm. picturing all these things came together perfectly to allow me to use those skill sets mm-hmm. to tell the story it was really yeah. kind of cool so i'm glad yeah. it worked out in yeah. your opinion yeah. and i know from personal experience it's so
0: cathartic when you tell a story that's hard to tell i remember i when i wrote my script con life which is based on my life growing up with a con artist father, it was the hardest thing I ever wrote. It was like, I just slit my wrists and I'm bled Blame. on the page. And when it was being read at my writers group, it was the most terrifying moment mm-hmm. of my life. I just felt naked. I felt like I'm naked and exposed and the world is going to end, literally mm-hmm. end. And- You know what I'm talking about then. Fast forward, to after it's all done and it's all out there, that story is now just a story. Telling, being able to own it and
2: tell it turned it into a story for me. I'm still getting there. Yeah. you're still getting there. But it's true. I actually just turned down an opportunity to do the show for the first time ever. Uh, I got into this festival in Canada, but it was going to be very expensive to go. And every time I've done it and self-produced it, it's very exhausting and very... I love doing the show, but I'm alone. Like I'm my sole production team, tour manager, all the things 18 characters running yeah yeah (laughs) well i mean yeah um which isn't to say there aren't infinitely many people to thank for helping me get it on its feet along the way but i also when i first got in i just didn't know if i had it in me to do again because so much has changed for me in the last six months from october Mm -hmm. the second foot injury the time Mm -hmm. when i said okay i have to set this down for a while and Mm -hmm. and sit with this and really deal with this because My body was snapping for no reason. Both foot Mm -hmm. injuries, nothing happened. Tendons were just snapping as I walked. My body was just like, we are done with you. And I make a joke in the show that my ex actually said to me when I play my ex. He was like, was I going to be pushing her in a wheelchair when she was 40? And I was trying to be like, no. I didn't mean that, universe. No, I, I will not. I will be walking. I'm going to be on my feet. Okay, please, no. And there are lots of things like that that have kind of scared me about reinforcing yeah. that story over and over again. Yes. I talk about people finding out about these things and leaving me. That kind of happened again. Mm-hmm. I was dating somebody That's who right. then saw the show, and that kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, there's things that happened, but that led to, and I'm just that. sort of like, am I reinforcing the story by constantly retelling it? unless so i'm planning to launch a crowd funder for this pilot version of it and if i do i might do a couple more shows in order to kind of kickstart the kickstarter or whatever but i really have to come to find a place to look at it as a story and yeah. that like i'm no longer acting my own story but i need to if i'm gonna do that show some more i need to be able to step into yeah. it as just an actor and, and as not a character and surreal. ellie
1: alluded to it i mean i the ingredient there is that you no longer have that emotional reaction to it. So right.
2: which is your job as an actor. So that's hard. That's hard. It's a little easier as a writer. Yeah. There was someone
1: that I met briefly and he told me the story of him when move, moving to London to like pursue his dream as a writer and he ended up homeless and he had a very wealthy family and refused to call them because he was too proud. Because of his decision to end up, you know, support himself ending up him homeless, he had hypothermia one night in London, almost died. And when he was telling me that story, he was like tearing up. And he, yeah. 15 years after the actual occurrence, but and he hadn't really healed from it in a process where he still carried a lot of guilt for what oh, yeah. he did to himself. So I think if you're because the way we attract, right, is thoughts and the magnet. The emotions are their magnet. So if mm-hmm. you put the thought out there but you don't have that magnet pulling it in,
2: yeah. you're not going to recreate that reality. Mm, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I will say one thing that could be good about doing the show. There's a part in the show towards the end where alternate. there's this alternate universe yes. version of me. Yeah, that, I love that. That, that enters. Altern- I actually think that's a future universe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bless you, right? I hope you're right. So I allude early to the show to this, like, God, if, if you weren't around, if I hadn't met you talking to my eating disorder, yeah. I'd be on, a, I'd have three hit television series right now. I would have written and starred in them. I'd have, I'd have an Emmy. I'd have whatever. And then at the end of the show, we kind of see her since doing the show. I do. This is, I mm-hmm. have like a little reminder on my phone. Of when stu- mm-hmm. You were saying earlier, what would you do if you loved your body? I mm-hmm. will ask myself, what would Alternate Universe Kate do here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. What would Alternate Universe yes. Kate yes. do here? And then very recently, I started wearing her costume around. Because oh, <laughs> <it! laughs> awesome. oh, <laughs> all the costumes it. for the show are stored in one suitcase. Yes. And recently, I was like, is that the I green jacket one? Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> that's perfect. I wore it on my birthday. I took it on my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I wore Alternate Universe out- Kate's that's outfit wonderful. on my birthday.
1: Um, Oh, I love it. So
2: that's the part of the story. If I'm going to step into anything, I'm trying to step Mm -hmm. into her and be her and bring her to life because she's everything I want
1: to be. And I think you're reading the right book.
0: The book you're alluding to is "Becoming Supernatural" by Dr. Joe Dispenza. We're doing a book club. If anybody out there wants to join the book club, it starts on May sixth the day this podcast episode comes out <laughs> <laughs> so but uh they still can, not too late you can you can just jump yeah. in at any time the yeah first it's going to go on for yeah. 8 weeks it's 8 yeah.
1: weeks uh, every monday and yeah i'll be there. happy to take you yes
0: at any point,
1: and uh, it's free. You just have to get your own copy of the book on Amazon or Audible,
0: whatever you like. And Kate, sadly, we are drawing to a close. (laughs) We don't want this to end. You you are wonderful. I'm disappointed
1: none of us cried, guys. I mean, I thought we were going to be pulling some tears today. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was part of the... Uh, let's go back let's start over yes well oh, I've got some you tragedy you said you for almost you. cried earlier I was like I did almost uh. cry
2: for a minute but um, I didn't know that that you wanted that or I would have just let it go <laughs> <laughs> I held it in so Kate uh, how can people reach out to you I'm on uh, Instagram as Kate Huffwoman. I'm on Facebook as Kate Huffman there's also an I'm Too Fat for This Show Facebook page and on katehuffman.com You can sign up for a newsletter. That's right and you have two more showings of the show that you're in right now. Yeah, it's called Friends with Guns. It's an incredible play. It's written by a woman. It's about a couple of liberal couples who discover one couple has uh, they own guns, which is shocking to the other liberal couple and it sort of reflects how divisive our nation is right now and how we hold our extremes and just sort of launches us on on something from there. So it's not necessarily just about guns. It could be about anything. It's about Mm -hmm. relationships and control and it's funny and it's heart-wrenching and it's just really incredibly well written I'm so grateful to be a part of it and it's at the road theater on uh you said this is dropping on the 6th uh the shows left are the 10th and the 11th at 8 p.m wonderful yeah Yeah. road theater.org yeah
0: it's a really incredible show we saw the first preview of it and we uh at your birthday I spoke with someone who had seen one of the first previews and then she saw it again Mm. I think either the night of your birthday or the night before sometime that week and she said it is it's even like improved mm. and it's even better and yeah, which no, is I mean, you guys, a lot to say because well, you it. literally yeah. saw
2: a preview which is technically still a rehearsal but even the i know <laughs>
0: even the first preview you was, guys well, getting wonderful. on stage oh, thank at, you. you know for the first time it was Incredible, thank it was so, so freaking good. So, yeah, no, I definitely think, so think we definitely should go won. maybe yeah, to the last showing. of <laughs> we'll th- oh. oh, uh, it. Oh, I'm gone next Ellie's weekend, gonna but maybe will be out of town. I'll be out of town. Well, I'll, but, never mind. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe we'll come, we'll figure it out. Okay. We'll make something happen. Well, thank you so much, Kate Guys, Huffman, you. for being here. Check her out, katehuffman.com. Check out Road. Theater. Road Theater.org. Roadtheater. Friends Org. with Guns Friends with Guns really really great show and uh, Nilu and I had so much fun again being um, here well thank you, you guys
2: you. thank you for all that you do I love your podcast I love Peace Unleashed I love it all and thanks for having and me and we love you so. and if you want to connect with
0: us we are at Peace Unleashed on Instagram that's where we share love notes with you every single day and I have lives where I answer your questions about the internal world to connect with us through that and if you want to work with us at any capacity, check out peaceunleashed.com. And until next time, when we come back and dive into another aspect of the internal world, we wish you a peace filled day.